So welcome once again to uh, Drop the Mic, the Chamber podcast. Thank you for joining us. Uh, this is where I get to chat with our chamber members, local entrepreneurs, people of interest, business owners, that sort of thing. And we get to know uh, who they are, what they do, but most importantly, why they do it. I am your host, Mo Bellavo, and I'm the executive director of the Chamber of Commerce here in East Hampton. And before we dive into our episode today, um, I want to thank East Hampton Media. They are our project partners on this um, particular project. And I want to thank Jen Ramsey, the executive director over there, and her team, uh, Ryan Arnold and Tim Riley. They are super awesome, super professional, and it's a joy to work with them. And with that said, I would like to welcome our guest today, Jeff Bujak, um, who is the owner of Prodigy Mini Golf and Game Room. And welcome, Jeff. Thank you, Mo. Thank you, thank you, thank you. How the heck good are to be you here. today? I'm good. I uh, just woke up about an hour ago and uh, had my tandem um, egg and cheese on an everything bagel. Um. And yeah, it's awesome. And uh, I am all coffeeed up and I'm ready. Good. I had a very disappointing coffee experience this morning. Oh. I usually have, um, my husband and I have shifted over to the French press and yeah. I decided to uh, uh, reduce the recipe down to one, I mean, two tablespoons of coffee as opposed yeah. to the typical three. And it's the most disgusting coffee I've ever had in my entire Ooh. life. So Ooh. there we have it. I'm going to have to go to yeah. Tandem. Yeah, French. I I was doing French press for a long time, and I noticed, you know, in the end, the uh, I don't know what it was. It's probably the, the the pump that goes down. It was letting too much of the, uh, or maybe I was. I think I was grinding the coffee too thin yeah. because yeah. it was going through. And I noticed at the end of my mug, I had like a little sludge at the bottom. So I kind of said, all right, maybe that's not for me. But I, now that I think about it, yeah, I think I'm just grinding it too small. You have to make sure you grind it in larger, uh, I don't know, grounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, to make sure it goes through. But I'm sorry about that. Jeez. Yeah, it no was very disappointing that. because yeah. I've been limiting my coffee consumption. I love it and I've been limiting it to it. And so today was supposed to be a joyful experience and it wasn't. So yeah. moving on yeah. from that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Jeff, let's get going on this conversation. And I would like to, before we um, go into, oh, the obvious, which is we're taping this during the times of COVID. So we'll be touching on those sorts of things. Um, but I would like to get a little background on you. Sure. Um, I know a little bit of background on you, but I don't know that our uh, listeners and viewers do. So maybe yeah. we can um, touch on that. Sure. Um, you know, I think starting with um, your background in um, human services. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. So that was, um, I was like, four lives ago. Um, yeah, that was, uh, I, I started working for, well, I toured on the road as a musician for 13 years. So that I was my, know about that. Yeah, yeah, that was, uh, that was very fun. But I came out of that. Um, I had the opportunity. So I, I went looking for some temporary work just to kind of because I, I didn't want to tour as much anymore. So I wanted to get like some side work. And I went to a company called Community Staffing in Northampton. And uh, I went there just looking for some part time work. And uh, about three Weeks later, I was the supervisor of community staffing. So all of a sudden, I, because the, the guy that was interviewing me happened to be leaving. And um, yeah, I just happened to meet some qualifications. And I said, all right, let's do this. Let's, let's, get, a, let's get an office job. Nice. So, so I started you did working. That for how long? Uh, about a year and a half. 
And then um, the company, like staffing wasn't, I mean, it, it was good. Like I was able to do it, but it wasn't really something I, want, I really wanted to do. And uh, the same, the, comp the parent company, Community Enterprises in Northampton, um, their communications department needed uh, a new person. So I applied for that position and I started moving into communications where that was just simply updating their Facebook, updating their website, doing interviews with staff and members. And uh, I mean, it, it, it's a company that works with people with disabilities, uh, mm -hmm. find some work and uh, education and places to live and just pretty much um, gets them uh, in, into society. Um, just, just, you know, like just everyday life. Um, and it's, it's an amazing company. So um, I did that. I, I was in communications for about a year and then the IT department had a need and they, they kind of did some shuffling around and I moved into the IT department. Um, and then the company became Viability in Northampton. That was the, um, it just grew and, and uh, they, they bought another company called Human Resources Unlimited. And uh, yeah, I started working IT for a very large company for, you know, there was, was 36 locations throughout the whole United States. And I started looking into like, you know, learning about servers and clouds and that kind of thing. So it was really, really awesome. Um, but along that journey, I just, I really wanted to um, open a mini golf course. So like I kind of got into that idea while I was in IT there. Um, but I loved working for that company. They're, they're amazing. They're a really, nice. really great company. Yep. Nice. Well, before we get into the mini golf, because that's a really great story, um, I want to get into this other really great story, which I thought was super cool when we first met, like, I don't know how many years ago now it was. Um, yeah, it was like but, uh, almost three years ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was it, So, you, you know, you first came into, into the chamber office and it was, I felt like instantly we were kindred spirits and you were definitely someone who I could recognize that entrepreneurial spirit deep within your being. Um, but let's talk about your musician life for a little bit, because that, when you shared that with me, I was like, whoa. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Now, a lot of people um, dream about being a touring musician. Um, and I actually, I was like, yeah, I got to live it. And then in the end, I was like, ah, that, that was, uh, that was an interesting experience. Um, but yeah, right out of college, uh, I moved to Arizona. Um, with the dream of opening a nightclub. That's what I kind of wanted to do. And I, I was playing music my whole life since I was age five, uh, classical piano player. And um, I met a band, uh, or I met people in a band in Arizona that needed a keyboardist. So uh, I joined the band and what I didn't fully know at that time, but they were a touring band. So, um, you know, I got to know them and they said, oh yeah, by the way, this summer we're you know, hit the road. And I was like, this is great. This is awesome. This is what I've always wanted to do. So, um, yeah, the band was called somebody's closet and, uh, they were kind of a, a, a yeah, it was kind of like a rootsy rock uh, type band, three part vocals. Um, it was just a big band. It was six people. Um, it was really, really great. Awesome songwriting, three songwriters in a band. So we just like, we're pushing out songs all the time, like brand new material all the time. And that's what I loved. I like just coming up with new stuff. And, um, so that was great. It was awesome. But like five years of that, um, with the, you know, we, we, while we were on the road, we were six people. We had, I think one or two tour assistants plus four dogs we had a bus we had a vehicle with a with a trailer and we were touring all over the u.s so it was it was a lot and it was a lot of mouths to feed so yeah. uh you know the the experience was great but my business mind started thinking hmm, i think i could do 
uh, or I think I could make a living doing this because, you know, we were just getting by um, if I did this on my, on my own. So I started looking into loopers and samplers and computers and many keyboards that uh, have the ability for one person to control and, and, uh, and make a full show out of it. So I started doing that and I went solo and uh, made a living off of it. And I did that for about eight years. And, uh, but, you know, sleeping on people's couches and, you know, waking up having to drive eight hours to the next club to get there to smell stale, stale beer and, you know, not necessarily living a, a great lifestyle, just, you know, fast food and food on the road and trying to, you know, get to the next place. And, and you'd have to get there by like five or 6 p.m. to load in to set up. And then you've got like, you know, four hours to sit around doing nothing till the show. So it's just, you know, eight years of that was uh was a lot so that's why i kind of got the itch to to have a, a normal life which is, but it's so is i think that's a it's an experience right and that's oh, yeah. what life is is experiencing things and that yep. it's just um such an interesting part of you i think yeah yeah um, i got you know seeing seeing a city or the best the best way to see a city is or not best but a way to see a city is at night in its bars and clubs. And you know, so I got to experience a lot of different, I mean, everything from, you know, clubs in Texas to Minnesota to Maine to Florida. I mean, every area of the United States is so different. And I never really got to experience that before. So I got, got to talk to a lot of people about a lot of cool things and a lot of different stuff. And, but yeah, the, yeah, the stories along the way were crazy. So yeah. it really helps to, it really, I think it's a beneficial um, addition to how your mind thinks. Oh, definitely. Without right? a doubt, you know, growing up in Syracuse, New York, I was a Northeastern guy. Just, you know, I, I thought that that's what life was. And then when I moved to Arizona from there, I said, oh, this is a whole different way of living. It just really was. And I was 22 at the time. So I was just learning what life was anyways. And I still don't really know. But I mean, I, I was in the beginning of learning. And then to go from there to the whole country, um, it, it just, yeah, it, it made me see things in a whole different light to actually experience and be in areas that I've never thought that I would ever want to be, you know, Lake of the Ozarks and, and, and Midwest, um, you know, uh, United States right in the middle, just middle of nowhere. It, it was a great experience to just, you know, see how people live and see how people talk and, and, and what, well, what their mindsets and I think are. It, yeah. it also helps to um, open one's mind to how others perceive and think and feel and accepting. And I also wonder how much of that played into your um, um, graciousness and openness to the other work that you did in human services. Definitely. I, I, and, and actually, and, and that's interesting because viability opened my mind even more, you know, oh, working, right. working around and working with people of all abilities, you know, what, like, like, you know, there were people with, full ability and some with, with some, um, you know, uh, thwarted uh, ability in a way, but to, to see the, the strength of human will to, to, to have uh, what, what one would consider a disability uh, to one, you know, a person with that disability might say that this is nothing. I mean, uh, this is just my life. This is how I work. This is how I live. Um, it, it made you kind of just see just people in general um, in a whole different light. And, and I, I 100% think that my mindset just, I wouldn't say changed, but just broadened. Yes. I, I think I was able to just um, think uh, a, a lot you know, on a larger scale and, yeah. and communicate with people uh, a little bit better. Yeah. 
Totally get that. Totally get that. So, um, and then you, so you also had um, enjoyed working with record labels. Yeah. Yeah. You've I was, got some, I was, you've got recordings signed. out there in the world. So yeah, I have 12 albums um, and, <laughs> and they're on Spotify and all. I, I don't know how that. much I can do that. Yeah. And I, I did. I died. I was yeah. listening this over the weekend. It's awesome. So yeah. what, so it was funny. My, my, I released two albums on my own. And then my third album, I decided to take a jump and say, okay, I think I, I want to go full label. I want to get a manager. I want to get an agent. I want to build a team, you know, cause up till then I, yeah. it was just me. Yeah. Um, so I tried that for one album and jumped right back. And I said, ah, no, I, I don't want to lose control of everything that I have. And that, that's the way it is. It, it's yeah. just, you know, in general, you, 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 the more people you add to a team, the more, um, more control, you, I wouldn't say you lose, but that you have to give to someone else. Cause you know, in that world, the artist is supposed to just create the art. Um, in my world, I wanted to create the art, but I also wanted to sell it. I wanted to market it. I wanted to have every aspect of it go through me. And, you know, my, my agent, my manager, and especially my label were like, no, we handle all this. And I was like, ah, I want to handle all this. <laughs> so I didn't even know why I wanted to. I just felt like that that was the, the thing to do. When you're a musician, you build these teams. You, you, you know, you, you, all these other hands get in your pockets because it's like, that's just what you do. And then I was like, wait, I can do this. I can, I can sell right. my album. I can tour. I can book all these shows myself. Why am I paying someone else to do it? Right. Um, so it really, it came down to money and control. Um, so I took all that back and I ended up releasing, I think, nine more al or eight more albums on my own and, um, and, and did it on my own. Yeah. I think that's so cool. So, yeah. and here's my other question, my last question about your, your musician life. What is intelligent dance music? This is what I'm yeah. gonna know because I'm I, a dancing fool. I love yeah. it. I love house music, all of that electronic. Um, what's the word? There's a, on Spotify, we always, sure. my husband takes care of that. But. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dance stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I mean, the, the broad term is EDM, which is the electronic dance music. So dance music just in general is usually music you can dance to, but it's usually very simple. It's very yeah. just, you know, they call it four on the floor. It's just, it's just doing that. And then whatever you coat that with, whatever, whatever melodies and whatever chords and song you want to put over that is great. But the whole premise of that is to keep someone dancing. It's not yes. to have someone go, oh, wait, where's this going? Um, so there's EDM and then IDM, it, it kind of started in the UK in the 90s. I mean, there's a, there's a whole story behind it, but it was to kind of treat the listener like they were a little bit more, um, more open to, to hearing something a little bit different. So the, the, the different yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so I still produce dance music, but you know, the beats kind of were a little, you know, um, they jumped all over the place. The timings were different. So the dance aspect of the music kind of changed. So you could still dance to it, but it made your head work a little bit more. It made, your, mm -hmm. made you think a little bit more about what you're listening to. To go, oh, I wonder where they're going to go from there. Instead of EDM, which is just, all right, let's just get on the floor and, and dance. That, that's all. There's not much thinking involved. It's just releasing your energy out. Um, so instincts kind of kick in and take yep. over. Yep. Yeah. So, so IDM is more of a... Uh, you know, treating the listener um, with an idea that they might want to um, uh, investigate what they're hearing at the moment. So they'll, they'll start listening going, wait, what is that? What's going on here? Where's this going to go? So, you know, it causes questions. And uh, so I created, you know, I started, I got into IDM, but then I eventually 
I went into progressive music, which is progressive electronic music, which is the subset of IDM where there's, there's no rules anymore. It, it's, right. You're still using a drum machine. You're still using electronic stuff, but there's no rules. There's no, like the beat can go anywhere. The music can go anywhere. There can be start stops. The timing's just all over the place, but it's still music or it's still, you know, I mean, it's almost like if Rush had a, uh, a beat machine, you know, that, that kind of aspect of things. Right. And, and I, I started getting into that kind of music and there wasn't a lot of it out there when I started in like, you know, mid 2000s or mid aughts. And um, so I, I really, you know, being a classical piano player, I had this idea of classical music with electronic beats and a classical music <laughs> falls into all these different categories. So I was writing these very complex pieces going, how can I throw dance beats into this yeah. so I just ended up trying to you know fit the the triangle through the square and, and going okay how can I how can I make this something pretty cool and and you know I, I have a I still have but I had a very intense fan base of people that loved electronic music but wanted a little bit more from from it yeah. and uh, you know not everybody does not like there's a lot of people that just like electronic music for what it is or dance music for what right. it is and so I just tried to put a new spin on it nice nice which brings us to mini golf. Yeah. Same. <laughs> so, uh, literally, you could take that whole thing and just uh, put mini golf in there. And that's, that's what I did. Yeah. All right. There we go. So, yeah. you know, um, so, you know, you had talked a little bit earlier about, you know, wanting to, um, you know, move away from the music and move away from the, the nine to five human services um, stuff that you were doing. And then thinking about entrepreneurial Thoughts, thinking entrepreneurial thoughts. However, mini golf's been a big love of, of yours for a very long time, has it not? Yeah, definitely. I, Let's talk I, about that. Yeah. I, uh, so I won. So while I was on the road uh, touring, there was two uh, things I like to do during the day, and it was mini golf and disc golf. So, I, you know, other than ball golf, I, I used to ball golf a lot. That's what we call it in the industry, ball golf. Um, but, uh, you know, throwing discs through a woods into a basket, that's disc golf. And oh. mini golf is literally golf, but smaller. So <laughs> I, I won two tournaments on the road. I uh, won like a bike from Magic Hat, um, the brewery up in Burlington. Um, I, uh, I just, I used to play, but, you know, I, I always thought even when I was really, really young um, that mini golf could be a little bit more challenging, could have some really cool shortcuts. And, you know, cause I was, I was a video gamer. So I liked really complex platforming video games. So for example, Super Mario Brothers is a, is a very common platformer game where you jump on a ledge, but there might be a brick up there that you could hit and there could be a warp zone. There could be a lot of things that you could get into and explore. So I kind of wanted to put that kind of mentality into mini golf, which I, honestly, like touring around, I never saw a mini golf course that really gave you a lot of choices. It was just hit forward, try to make it in that hole. That's it. And that, that's great for mini golf. I think that's what mini golf is. But I felt like I could design something and come up with something a little bit more complex um, to treat the, uh, the athlete a little bit, you know, or at least give them a little bit more choice and chance and risk to, to try to get the best score and, um, and challenge themselves. So I designed this course and um, yeah, and it was, it was, it was so fun to, to make a mini golf course. It really was. And I, I kind of look forward to building another one eventually too. So. Well, I thought it was really, it was so fascinating when we first met and you were talking to me and telling me all about your mini golf. And I was like, can I have the vision of, you know, the outdoor mini golf 
thing. And you opened my eyes to this whole other world that exists and this whole other level of what it is that you're talking about. And when you started talking to me about um, designing and building your course, I mean, you had it down to how many nails you needed. Yeah, that's, that's which blew my, my bu- mind. I'm like, yeah, my budget was exact. I mean, I had it down to uh, so so. I in my living room at home in Northampton, you know, for the year before I even opened, I had half of of a hole or a coarse hole in my living room built. So I I was testing carpets. I was testing how balls were banging off of different types of wood, um, different how ramps reacted, how the ball bounced after ramps. I mean, there was a lot of because I, I mean, if I was going to build a course, I didn't want to get done with it going, ah, I should have done this. I should have done that. So I had all this time, you know, I, I worked a day job and then at night I was like, I am not really playing music much anymore. I should um, kind of look into how many or how ball, golf balls bounce and, and how people could, uh, could play differently. So, um, yeah. And, and, and I found that trajectory was everything. You know, I, I always felt like mini golf had curves, um, had bricks for walls where you could possibly hit it, but you're trying to to bounce it to the left, but it hits the brick wrong and it bounces to the right, and it wasn't really fair to the player. So I was really trying to design a course that was more like a pool table in a way. Yeah. You um, just took the words out of my mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where those markers, you know, I, and I'm a huge pool player, and I love going. Okay, I got to get the ball there. So if I hit there, it'll go 45 degrees. Hit there and there. So that's the mentality I went into this course with. And then uh, as long as the play and as long as it was fair and, 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 uh, and, and you were able to put the ball where you, you know, where you intended, then I could throw in all these ramps and hooks and all these cool things to distract you or to make obstacles or shortcuts on it. So you can just play, you can play this course very conservatively and just put to the hole and get the par and, and walk off. But you can also say, Hey, I'm behind by two here. If I go, if I try for that little ramp over there that makes it up over that hill and, and you know, it's a shortcut. So I wanted to kind of give people um, more options. Yeah. So huh? Yeah, that was my, my idea. Yeah. Nice. So, yeah, so you're formulating your idea and you, and you wanted to design this, um, this course that gave folks options um, out of the ordinary um, experience. But your whole business, your whole uh, venue, uh, um, it's not just mini golf. So let's explain to me. Um, and our viewers, what you got going on over there. Sure, definitely. So, you know, the idea of a mini golf course is you pay to play the mini golf course and then you just play. So um, I wanted to create this room where it had a mini golf course and you still paid to come in, but there's tons of other things you can do where you're not like eating up quarters. You're not like having to pay for um, per diem things. The whole room was wide open to you. So it was the old like game hall theory where it's just like a foosball table there an air hockey table there where, you know, and, and I wanted this idea where if you're waiting for um, a, a, a group on a hole, I want a game right there to be, to entertain you while you're waiting in a way. So the, I wanted to make the experience less of just a mini golf course, but a full game room experience. So I, um, I brought in, you know, at that time I had, and I grew up with like eight different video game consoles. Uh, so, you know, it was like ColecoVision, Nintendo, Sega Genesis. I had um, N64. There's all these like, you know, um, 90s and 80s and 90s video game consoles. So I was like, well, you know, if I had those around the room, that might be kind of cool. So 
I, uh, I had the idea to add those. So in the very beginning, when I first opened, I had eight video game consoles all connected to tube TVs the way they used to be. And I went around scavenging you know, those and, and trying to find uh, TVs that went with each of the consoles. Um, and I mean, to this day, I have 33 video game consoles now. So it just kind of grew. Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah, I have, I have 17 different stations of playing video games on 33 different video game consoles, all original, all working. I learned how to repair them. And so that was really fun. So the video game aspect of my place is very different because no, not that I know of, no other place has the option to play old Nintendo games where you actually, you take the cartridge, you put it in the, the Nintendo, you push it down, you hit power, you plug your controller in. It kind of brought you back to, yeah. uh, at least for me, um, you know, the basement of my mom's house, just you know, playing video games again. And, uh, and, and I thought that was a really cool addition to a mini golf course because, you know, mini golf was big in the 80s and 90s. It's less big today. I got to be honest with you. I think less people are going out going, let's go play mini golf. And, but when I was growing up, like, that's what you did. You, I don't know why. You just, you didn't right. have phones. You didn't have, you know, you, right. you, know, you didn't have home theaters. You, you went and played mini golf. You hit a ball. Um, so I grew up just playing video games and playing mini golf. So it was just an obvious um, combination. And then uh, I have about, at this point, about 170 board games to play. I have uh, nine very large, as you can see behind me, um, uh, game tables you can play on. So all these games are like, once you pay the one admission of, you know, $10 during the week or $12 on the weekend, you can play anything you want in this room. And me and my staff are behind the, the desk, ready to help people, give suggestions. So that was the other thing too, is if someone wanted to play a game, maybe they couldn't think of a game uh, that they used to play, or they just don't know what to play. That's what we're here for. So my staff and I are very knowledgeable in every game that we have here. So if someone says, oh, I used to, there was like this little green guy and he jumped from here to there. And we're like, yeah, okay, I know what you're talking about. So we're able to kind of get you to relive the moments when you're a kid. So, you know, this place was geared towards the 30s, 40s, and 50s age range of people that used to play these video games or used to play mini golf when they were young and they just wanted to do, you know, a, a whole different side of, of mini golf or go back to the games that they used to play when they were young, um, including the board games. And then we have like pool and shuffleboard and air hockey and all that stuff too. So, yeah. so Jeff, before we get into, um, you know, the whole COVID situation that we have going on now, um, I want to talk to you about, um, you know, before that point, you know, you had started, what was it? You opened, you joined the chamber like three years ago, I believe it is. And yep. then you opened a year after that. So thank you for supporting us oh, before yeah, we were thanks. even open. Um, and, you know, I, I had a couple of conversations with you and you were surprised as to how well things were going for you, mm -hmm. right? So you yeah. ended up, you were, um, you started, Two years ago, you opened up the doors and you were doing really well, or you are doing really well. And then you, um, you were able to um, quit your day job, let's say, yep. right? I just did in October. And, yeah, one year ago to uh, this month, yeah. Yeah, and so month. what is it that drives this passion for mini golf and, and, and this business and this entrepreneurial drive that I feel like you've, you've had for longer than what Prodigy has been yeah. about. So, yeah, that's, that's an interesting question. So even back when I was touring, 
you know, I always felt that the music industry wasn't, it's not a business that's like any other business. It, you're not selling a product, you know, it's, you're selling sound, you're selling an experience, which is so difficult. It's, you know, I think one of the only more difficult things probably to, to sell is comedy, you know, where you're, you're trying to make someone laugh and that some people just aren't going to laugh and there's nothing you can do about it. Like, you know, but at the same time you might, you know, sell a, I don't even know, a, a, a car. And most of the time, as long as the car is what it is that they were selling, you're going to be satisfied because it is. Um, but even when I was touring as a musician, I never felt that my business ethics and my business know-how was utilized correctly. You know, I would, I would, I would do things by the book because I went to college for business technology and I, I thought, okay, like I know how to build a business plan. I know how to really do this um, the right way, or at least the way you're supposed to build a business. And the music was just chaotic. You know, there, there was no right or wrong. There was no rhyme or reason. Um, it just, there were too many unexpectations. There was things that would just pop up all the time that I just didn't want to deal with anymore. Um, the competition was, was horrendous. There's so many bands out there. And as much as bands say that they're friends and they work together, you know, I hate to be the, the bearer of bad news, but bands are very competitive, extremely competitive. Even if they're on the same bill on the same night, there's, there's this, I bet I can out power you or i bet i can make the audience you know um appreciate my music more than yours it was, it was this very honestly it was an ugly scene and i, I didn't want to be a part of it anymore but i always had the 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 business mentality of i wanted to build something get acknowledged for my for building it and 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 appreciated for it and then actually have it be successful and me be successful. So there's nothing I like more in life is working on something extremely hard with everything I have and then feeling successful or feeling accomplished after, after it's done or after I've sold it or whatever the case is. Um, so that's, you know, music, I, that's why I jumped into a, a day job because I just, I needed to get out of that. And, and a lot of people would say, Oh, you, you know, you're crazy for wanting to do a day job over music because everyone dreams of being a rock star or on the road. But I felt like having an office job was a, a stability I never had in my life. It was kind of this nine to five, you go there, everything's clean. Everything's done by the book. There's rules. There's, there's things to live by. There's, there's, you know, risks and, and, and risk assessment. And like, I started jumping into the business of viability at that time thinking, Oh, this is an amazing company. Like not only are they doing good for the community, but they're, they're producing money from this that they're putting back into what they're doing to make the services more. I mean, there was so much in this that business that made me say, yes, this, this is awesome. I want like a business. I don't want to just have music. And I still play music sort of in a way, but I, I don't think of that as a product anymore. That's just more for fun. Like I was when I was five, you know? Um, so I wanted, I wanted to do, you know, a business, an actual hard, you know, a, a brick and mortar place that people could come play where I didn't have to break down every night and leave. So I, I think in me, it was, I still wanted to make something. I still wanted to create something. I'm very creative. I love to just, you know, take something and make it better or take something and rearrange it and then see what people think. So having this place, especially in the very beginning, the, 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 
the feedback I got from people and just, you know, the attendance right off the bat was amazing. And everyone's saying, oh, I've never played a, a mini golf course like this. I feed off that. I feed off of being different kind of, or being appreciated for right. my creativity and hard work for right. creating something different. So, you know, that it was Absolutely. just, it's something in me. And even like now, like I, I can't just have a game room and say, okay, this is my game room. This is, I go, okay, now what can I do? How can right. I make that corner better? How can right. I, you know, I, I notice that the ball is going off the course on hole nine a lot. Why is that? Maybe if I build this, maybe if I rearrange this. So it, it's, it's something internally in me that, that needs to stay producing. I, I you know, I, I love being productive. I don't have right. a day, like day off. I don't even know what that is. And it's not because I have to do things. I want to do things. I want to keep pushing myself. I want to keep pushing my ideas. And, um, and I feel like I've built something that, that the community and people really love and take to heart is what I'm noticing now is a lot of people um, really want me to succeed, which is really I mean, not just me, but for them to have a place to come. And, right. and uh, so let's and talk about that. So you're, so you're, so you quit your day job in October, everything's cruising yep. along, you're riding mm -hmm. high. And oh, yeah. I saved a um, lot of money too. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. And then, um, you know, COVID, you know, we shut down in March. And, you know, we talked, I don't know, maybe two months ago, I checked in with you. And at that point, um, you were, you were feeling pretty good. Yeah. And, yeah, so um, and then, yeah. And then it, it's, and then we've, we we've taken a little turn. We've, yeah. um, you know, we're going into the winter now and, um, let's see, uh, you know, there's been some adjustments made, mm -hmm. um, to the responding corresponding numbers going up and, mm -hmm. you know, you want to share some of that story with us, how are you sure. feeling now? Definitely. Yeah. So I opened in the summer, it was phase three. Um, being a mini golf course, I was able to open um, step one, phase three. Like, uh, to be completely honest, all that was very difficult to just grasp. I, I don't think, and I think to this day, like, we, we don't have a, a full idea of what is good and what's bad. You know, I think a lot of people might think just, just shut down everything and, and let's just stay home and, and, and live off of what you know the, the taxes that we paid in over years and just have you know um have checks paychecks come to us but you know i think for livelihood for you know emotional stability for success for like for me for example you know sitting home for four months was something i've never done in my life so i was closed for a full four months where you know, I mean, I was told two weeks and then it just kind of graduated. Again, we didn't know anything and, and, and still fully don't know everything. But, you know, I think decisions are being made in a very general scope. It's very difficult to look at every single business and say, okay, you know, what's safe, what's not safe, who should be open, who shouldn't be open, um, who should be making money, who shouldn't. I mean, it's, it's a very difficult conversation. It really is. Right. Right. So, but here we are, here we are and we, and you've got, um, so you had your, your hours, which were, um, was it Wednesday, Thursday or Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you were open till midnight? Uh, when, Wednesday, oh, uh, till midnight on Fridays and Saturdays. So Fridays yep. and Saturdays. So now you're, yep. you're, because we're back into phase one, now you're, um, or phase three, step one. Th thank you. Phase mm -hmm. three, step one, you, um, need to close on Friday and Saturdays at 10. Yeah. 
or not. So, I, I say 10, yeah, but it's 9.30. I, yeah, I yeah, 9.30. 9.30. Yep. Yeah. But yeah. So that people can get home for 10 because of the curfew. Um, so, you know, let's talk about how that's impacted you. Sure. And it just started on Friday, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so even before this happened, um, my attendance numbers were just slipping down and down and down and down. So, you know, when I opened in the summer, it actually was pretty decent. Uh, it was somewhat livable with the PPP loan. That, that really was a, a godsend um, to help keep my staff employed, which I think was a, a very uh, needed thing. I, I think, um, you know, people being productive, people um, having a purpose, waking up, you know, whether you think a nine to five job Monday through Friday, you think, you know, maybe oh, I don't want to go to work. I don't, I don't want to do this, but honestly, like it gives you something to do in, in a day. Um, I know a lot of people would have other things to do, but it, you know, it, it, you go to see your friends, uh, your friends are at work, you have something to talk about. There's, you know, the human interaction is huge. Um, so, you know, I wanted to keep my staff on. I wanted to um, have, give them a purpose um, of, of, cause my, my staff loves being here. I mean, they've, they've been very open about it and, and said like, you know, even before I opened, they were like, um, you know, as much as they, they didn't mind um, staying home and, and collecting that paycheck, they really wanted to come back to Prodigy. They, they were missing the people, they were missing the work. Um, so I, I appreciated that. I thought that was awesome. So my, my staff wanted to come back and, um, and we all made that decision to, to reopen in, in the safest possible way. Um, but when it came to this past uh, uh, weekend where the hours got cut, you know, my, I'm, a, I have a day business, but my night business is the fun aspect of this place. Um, it, it's when, it's when the hum begins, you know, like, uh, people in just in general, uh, you know, my numbers usually after seven will, will start going up. I mean, that's just, you know, during the day I get stragglers. I have some people that come in, some families that come in, but the night is the the time that, that people would, uh, would come here. And especially, you know, Fridays and Saturday nights were at least 70% of my revenue. That's just the way it is. Um, it's not that it's packed here. It's not that I'm letting a hundred people in, you know, but it was, you know, before this whole thing, I might have, you know, at the time of now closing like 930, I would only have maybe five people here. Um, but then at like 10 o'clock, I might get like three more. And then by like 11 o'clock, I might have five more. And to be very honest with you, those three and five made all the difference in my revenue. I mean, it's, it's, it's a very difficult um, numbers game where, you know, where all of a sudden I have to close. So, you know, they're telling people to, to be home by 10 and don't be out and uh, don't be here. I mean, that, that's essentially what they're telling people. So I really wouldn't, um, I wouldn't say I have admissions after 7.30. So around 7.30, people stop coming in. And then by 8.30 or 9, it starts clearing out. By 9.30, I'm done. So, um, yeah, I... Uh, we, that, that could potentially um, change over the course. I mean, that was, this is the first weekend. Um, and hopefully that will shift. Um, I, I, so let's... Uh, go ahead. I, I, I don't want to interrupt, but... Um, it was the answer. It, it, was, it was the reason. I, that's, that's what I've really wanted. I've been seeking. I've been talking to everybody saying, do you, do you know why we're, we're closing early? And um, for the majority of people go, oh, because of COVID. Because, you know, because I guess after 930, 
something happens. Um, I never got an answer and I still don't have an answer. So that's, mm -hmm. that was like pretty much my main um, grudge on this, but it was, you know, but I get it. Mm -hmm. So let's share with people what you're doing to, um, to make it safe. Cause you had talked to, when we talked um, a couple of months ago, you were also talking about, you know, we had to make some changes, but honestly, Mo, I'm going to keep these things, some of these things instituted because it just makes me better. So what are those things and what are, what are those things that people need to know so that they can come and visit you sure. and be confident? Yep, definitely. Okay. So mini golf in general is a very spacious or uh, spatial environment. I mean, you are not, not even close to six feet apart. You know, the groups are 12 feet, 15 feet apart from each hole. Like, so space is not the issue here, you know, at least on the mini golf course. So, and even when groups play, you can still be six feet apart from each other. You know, a foursome on the course can be very spatial. So the space part of it, I'm good with, uh, as far as the mini golf course, the video games, um, you know, as I'm looking at them right now. So, you know, I have, I have 14 TVs on this wall and under every TV is, you know, two to five different video game consoles underneath them. So, and they're all about three feet, maybe three and a half feet apart um, with two chairs. So what I did is I said, okay, how about I just close off every other TV and I start moving all the video game consoles, all the unique consoles on the TVs that I'm, I'm pulling out of commission and move those consoles to the TVs that I can have. So every other TV is at least six feet apart. So when you're sitting here playing a game, you are at least six feet apart from the person next to you and you're not even facing them in general. You're side by side. So, and for the most part, people aren't even talking when they're playing. So they're looking straight ahead. So I felt that that was pretty, pretty safe in my mind, especially with masks. We are very, very hardcore with masks here. Mm -hmm. uh, we will not allow masks below the nose. We will come up to you and we'll say, look at, can you pull your mask above your nose? And, and, I don't, I can't think of one instance where someone's like, well, no, it's, it's always been like, okay, I'm so sorry. Like, you know, my mask slips and I get it. It's awesome. You know, it, it is what it is. So that we have them pull their mask up. If we notice it again, we call up to them again and we say, look at, you know, can you pull your mask up or not even can you, but pull your mask up. So we are very, very adamant about that, regardless of how people feel about what, what masks actually do. It doesn't matter to me. You know, that argument is, I don't care. It's just the fact I tell people, look, I want to stay open. That means a lot. I want to stay open. That could mean, you know, I don't want people infected here. That means I want the image, you know, I don't want someone to take a picture and then in the background, see someone with a mask off and then be like, wait, what are they doing? Or also, you know, I don't, I don't want, um, just in general, um, the the idea that we don't care here you know it, it's it's people feeling safe it's it's again it's you know having a sitting next to a, uh, someone or at least six feet away from someone playing a video game wearing a mask i think that just feels very safe to me and whether it is safe or not it feels safe and i think that that's the main concern of me of, of what i'm doing is to make people feel comfortable here i'm selling fun you know or i'm selling the opportunity to have fun and if someone's worried if someone doesn't feel uh comfortable here they're not going to have a good time not only that they're going to tell their friends that they're not having a good time or you know if someone gets infected here i don't want a call from the health department saying oh well you got it like you know someone there got it you got to tell all your people um that's the last thing a business wants right you know so in general i want to stay open 
I want people to think that I want to stay open and I hope that they'll help me with that. So the masks are a huge thing. So spacing and masks are the biggest thing here. We have hand sanitizer everywhere here. You know, there's pumps everywhere. I don't even need to say that much anymore. There are signs everywhere. I have 18 signs that say wear your mask. I have two signs on the course that actually penalize you points if your mask is below your nose. Nice. So I'm taking, this, I like that. I'm taking this to a point where you want to play mini golf. Well, you're going to take some penalty if I mean, given I'm, I'm going to tell them to put their mask up, but like right. it, it puts a, a sense of that. We do care. We care here. Like this isn't, we're not just throwing people into a pit going, all right, just go have some fun. Um, right. And not only that, but the video games themselves, we used to have all the, the controllers out. Um, so you, we would give you a game, you would sit down, you put the game in and then you pick up a controller and play. Well, all the controllers are behind the desk now. So we, hand, we sanitize not only every controller, every game, every bin, every pool cue, every golf ball, every mini golf, like absolutely anything someone touches here gets sanitized. Whether that works or not, I don't know. It's the fact that we do it and we're constantly doing it to make people feel safe. And you know, th this is a very sterile environment. We wipe these tables down all the time. The tables themselves are four feet apart, but what we do is we have, and I'm pointing here, so we have chairs here, but then on the other table, the chairs are over there. Yeah. So there's at least six feet between each. And then we also tell people, just skip a table. We have so many tables. People, again, our attendance is not there that big anymore. So people are very spread out here. Um, How much square footage do you have over there? 8,000 square feet. Okay, with, then. We can with, spread out. With 14 and a half foot ceilings. And I have 14 fans here. I have windows open. Um, I have HEPA filters in my AC units that we were running um, during the summer. And what I'm going to be doing is, that, especially in the winter, I'm going to be just running the air filter. So we've got two HEPA filters running all the time at the windows. We have fans. And, you know, there's, I, I, those are right. all the regulations that, you know, we're following casino standards where, you know, if, a, if an 80 year old can go to a casino and play and feel safe and be safe, there's no reason a 25 or 30 year old will feel, feel safe or not be safe here playing. So that's, these are the standards that we're trying to, to go by is to just make people feel safe and be safe. Right, right. So, um, you know, um, we're, kind of coming down to the end of our time. So I'm wondering, is there, what is it that you um, want to share the most about where you're at right now, Jeff? And I, I see, I know that you're a very, um, you know, you see the world through a positive lens, you know? So, but you know, this is not all um, sunshine and rainbows all the time. Definitely so, not. you know. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, <sighs> The, the one thing I, I just want people to know is that um, we are, you know, a game room and we're, we're not an essential business. We get it. We're not a grocery store. We're not a place you have to be. This is a choice to come here. Um, but what I'll, I'll definitely say is, you know, if you have any fear of being around people or, or coming here and catching something, just what I offer is just, just stop by, just stop by and just look at what we're doing. And if you don't feel comfortable, that's totally fine. You don't have to be here. And I actually want that feedback. I've never heard one thing from someone suggesting what we should be doing. If anything, people are saying you're doing a little, like not too much, but you're, you're going above and beyond what you need to do. Um, so all I ask is just people give us a chance. There, there's, 
I think there's two types of, of people that aren't coming here. So, you know, we have, we had a lot of regulars. Our numbers were massive last year. Like I'm living off of the money that we made last winter. You know, I haven't had much help at all, which I don't, I've never asked for help, but it's kind of like, you know, I'm living off the money that I, I made over this year. So that, that, that is what it is. You know, I'm a business owner. There's a risk involved. So what I say is just give us a chance, stop by, or, or if you have questions, give us a call. Say, you know, what are your exact protocols? Are you doing this? Are you doing that? And I'll be completely honest with you. And again, if it's not your thing, if you don't feel comfortable with it, that's, then this probably isn't the place for you yet. But I feel like there's a lot more people out there that would feel very, very comfortable here. And getting out of, of the house, c coming out to play games with their friends, compete, laugh, have some fun, smile, even though we can't see each other smile anymore. I, I think that in general, our minds, uh, most minds could use a little bit of stimulation. Um, you know, there's only so much sitting on a couch and, and a TV or Netflix can do for you. You know, this is a place where you come where you're, you're engaging, you're playing your phones in your pocket, you're not worrying about what social media is saying or what the news is saying. You're coming here just to have a good time. And I feel like there's a lot of people that just haven't had a good time in a long time and could use it. Am I saying everybody? No, not at all. There are people that probably shouldn't be here that are vulnerable, that, that they don't feel comfortable being here. That's perfectly fine. But I just feel like there's a lot of others out there that just are kind of like, ah, maybe I'll wait to go. Well, if you wait too long to go, it's just, we might not be here anymore. And that, that's, that's all I'm saying is, is, you know, support, not, not just me, but support your local businesses, you know, yep. go to the local hardware store, go to your local grocery store, like, um, keep, keep your money local. Like I, you know, this was an eye opener for me. Like I'm, I've always been the one to be like, ah, I just ordered online. It'll be here in two days. Like I'm done with that. You know, I, this is like one of those things where, you know, I have opinions, I have um, thoughts, but, you know, or I, I change weekly, I change monthly. And this year, I've realized that we really do need to support our community more than ever. We, meaning our, the business owners, and not just that, but just the residents, we need you at, at this point. Right. You, you know, you know. It's, you're not only supporting our local economy, but you're, you're supporting your neighbor. Definitely. And, um, you know, we all, most of us all live here. Mm -hmm. in this media area. So yep. we want to keep everybody healthy. Mm -hmm. And um, that means Definitely. their um, ability to make a living as well. So, so where can they, so what are your hours? When so, can yeah. they come visit you? Yeah, definitely. So, uh, you know, Wednesday through Sunday. So, you know, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, we open at four and we close a curfew. Um, and then Fridays, we open at four. Saturdays, we're open noon to, well, normally midnight, but, you know, whenever, whatever time we have to close. Um, and then Sundays, uh, 2 PM to, to close. Um, and then what we're doing more of, cause we are ages 13 and over, cause it's, it's an environment for an older uh, crowd. It's just the way it is. Um, mm -hmm. The games are a little more difficult. It is what it is, but you can read all that online, why we're 13 and over, but we're doing a lot more all ages stuff because we definitely feeling that there isn't a lot for kids to do. Um, and, and since we are a place that, that cares about, sanitary conditions and making sure you know things aren't being touched and things aren't being put back like we take care of this so when the kids come in because it's very hard to tell a kid don't touch things don't do it like right. it's a game room they're gonna do stuff 
we're constantly cleaning. We're constantly um, looking out, making sure everybody's safe. So uh, every Sunday morning, um, other than the Sundays that we have private rentals, which we do as well, uh, most Sunday mornings, including this Sunday, um, from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. is all ages here. So we just allow um, kids to come in. Which is a good alternative, you know, now that everybody's doing so much remote learning, you know, to get out and to, you know, maybe see some of their um, friends and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so where can they find more information? What's your website what, on the web? Sure, yeah, uh, Prodigy, yeah prodigyminigolf.com has everything. And I'm going to be launching a new website very soon as well. But um, that website's still up and it's great. Um, has all the information you need, um, our address. You know, we're at Eastworks. Um, in East Hampton, wonderful, beautiful East Hampton. Uh, we just got our new rotary, our new traffic circle down. Hey, here. no traffic. Uh, it, yeah. <laughs> no actually, traffic for it, you. It works so well. I, you know, every day I, I pass through that and I've been passing through that at least four times a day going home and back. Um, so I've watched the whole progression of it and I am a traffic circle fanatic. Yeah, yeah, I love them. I do yeah. too. They're a good thing. Yeah. And you do gift cards. Yes. Yep, yep, we have gift cards um, of any denomination. So you can order those online, you can come in um, to order those. Uh, we also have memberships, unlimited memberships. So it's like per month, you can come and play as much as you want, as many times, uh, like $40 for a month kind of thing. Uh, it's a great punch. gift for the holidays. I agree. We also have punch cards, uh, saving $2 off an admission if you buy 10 admissions ahead of time. Um, so it's like a $100 punch card, but it's 10 admissions. So instead of the 12, it's $10. Um, and um, I also yeah. think too, you know what, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of Christ, uh, holiday parties that are not going to be happening. So this is a great way to say thanks to your employees and something different. Yep. Staff days. Yep. And, yeah. So, you know? so we do, we do our rentals and that's what one thing we're really starting to get into is private rentals of corporate functions. We have a huge projector. We have wireless mics. You can actually have a small conference here. You can have a small meeting here and then treat your employees to a game room for an hour. I mean, there's a lot of possibilities here. And That's what it sounds pretty good being a musician. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Oh, believe me. The lights, like everything in here I've designed and I made sure that there's no feedback on the, the, the PA at all. Like I make sure it's, it's, it's proper and it's done right. Yep. All right. Well, you know, Jeff, I want to thank you um for spending time with me today oh, thank, thank you. you for being um vulnerable and honest yeah you know uh, you've put yeah. a lot of your yourself you've mm -hmm. put a lot of your savings um yeah. into this and um we need to you know keep our local folks going through this sure. time and we'll and, pull and, out of it it'll it eventually we will pull out of it so um but we need to be here for all of us Yep. And I, and I definitely say like, you know, for many people, like I, I wouldn't like, don't feel bad for me or anything. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm a business owner. There's a risk involved in all business. And this is just one of those parameters that as a business owner, we have to deal with. But yeah. I just, I just do want to put that out there that, you know, we are trying our absolute hardest to create the safest environment. Yeah. Um, you know, we don't have alcohol here. We don't have like, this is a very safe place for like, and that's another thing. We have a lot of people in recovery. We have people that come here because they don't want to go to the bar scene. They want to come here in a nice. more, I'm yeah. not going to say smart environment. Cause I mean, I'm sure there's some bars that are very smart, but we, we don't offer the well, it's, it's sloppy an type environment. Yeah. It's an alternative. It's an yep. alternative to um, those others, um, mm -hmm. other traditional yeah. social venues. Um, 
All right, so we're gonna um, wrap it up and thank you once again. Thank you all for stopping in and hanging with us um, and chatting with Jeff. Um, you can always get the uh, podcast on um, anywhere that you get your podcasts, um, I podcasts, Spotify, all that sort of stuff. You can watch us on YouTube, our YouTube channel, the Chamber um, of Commerce YouTube channel and the uh, East Hampton Media YouTube channel. And thank you again, East Hampton Media. You guys are awesome. Right upstairs. And, sorry, yeah, they're right upstairs, they're right upstairs for you. Yeah. Yeah. And um, what else do I want to say? Oh, and if you want to talk more about the chamber, learn more about us, you can learn that um, at easthamptonchamber.org or give us a call at the office. I would love to chat with you. So, with that, thanks. Thank you.